0: Hi friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, Forbes blogger, speaker, and now author of my own career book that has just released for pre-order on Amazon. You can probably guess the name as it's also called U-Turn spelled Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. This book is all about getting unstuck, discovering your direction, and designing your dream career. I created the U-Turn podcast and wrote the U-Turn book with this goal of helping you reconnect to who you truly are and upgrading your confidence in work and in love. So if you're looking to get even more clarity beyond the podcast and even the book on where you belong in the workforce, or you want to make a career pivot or just explore your purpose overall, we have a brand new free quiz to help you out with that. Just head on over to ashleystall.com if you want to take it. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com for the free quiz. Also, I'm really excited to finally let you know that this episode has been brought to you by Organifi. I have fallen so in love with their smoothie protein, their chocolate, their vanilla, and also their green juice drink. I have both of these products every single day. And after years of declining and dodging sponsorship, because I didn't want to feel sticky promoting something to you, I decided that their products were so good, so transformative for my health in my morning routine that I reached out to them and asked if they wanted to sponsor the U-Turn show. So if you are inspired to upgrade your health during these uncertain times and you want products to add into your routine throughout the day, I just can't recommend them enough. I was able to get you a discount code for 15% off when you check out. All you gotta do is head on over to Organifi.com backslash U-Turn. It's spelled Organifi O-R dot backslash y-o-u-t-u-r-n. Make sure you enter the code U-TURN at checkout on their website. And now let's dive in to this week's episode.
1: In any relationship, if we're not going to lose ourselves, if we're not going to be controlled and give ourselves up and try and control, we always have to be willing to lose the other person rather than lose ourselves.
0: What's going on, U-Turn friends? It's Ash here, and I'm really excited to bring someone on the podcast today that has actually made a real impact on me and how I love myself, and it's Dr. Margaret Paul. You know, not only has she devoted so many years of study and excellence to how to love yourself, but she's also written a book that I call It's Inner Bonding. And it's one of my favorite books on this topic. She's a best-selling author, very popular writer for Mind Body Green, co-creator of the powerful inner bonding self-healing process. She also has a more recent book out, The Diet for Divine Connection, all about going beyond junk food and junk thoughts to an at-will spiritual connection, and the inner bonding book that I talked about that I read and loved. She has a workbook out for that. So so much we have to talk about on how to love yourself. Thank you so much for coming on to the show.
1: Well, thank you, Ashley. I'm looking forward to this time with you.
0: Yeah, I I feel like you've got so much, such a body of work on loving yourself. What was it that inspired you to go into this journey?
1: So, you know, like so many people, I came from a dysfunctional family and I, you know, I tried so many different things. I tried so many different forms of therapy for so many years, and I was a traditional psychotherapist for 17 years, and nothing touched um, how I felt about myself, my anxiety, my depression. Nothing came close to healing these issues. Even four and a half years of psychoanalysis didn't touch them. So after 17 years, that's when I started to pray for something that would really work, and that's when I met Dr. Erica Topic. She had half inner bonding, and I had half of inner bonding. And with Spirit's help, we put it together, and it's been evolving for the past 36 years into this amazingly powerful process.
0: Um, one thing I'm curious about when it comes to the steps to loving yourself, I know a lot of people listening right now, they've heard a lot of different coaches talking about this topic of loving yourself. Do you have any steps or insights on how somebody can get started with that?
1: Um, yes, I'd, I'd love to share that. So you know, one of the things is, is that people have to think about what loving a child is like, because if you think about loving a child, like lots of people think about, I love myself, I, I take a bath, I get my nails done, I get a massage, blah, blah, blah. If you think about loving a child, that's not the kind of things you think about. You think about being there for them emotionally, listening to them, caring about their feelings, being consistent with them. Well, this is the kind of thing that we need to learn to be uh, for ourselves. And the problem is most, most of us, as we were growing up, we had a lot of pain and we couldn't manage it. So we learned to leave our body, you know, to kind of dissociate from our body and go up in our head. Because this is uh, how, we, how we learn to deal with our feelings is be in our head so that we don't have to feel them so much or numb out with various addictions or, or judge them or make other people responsible for them. So now if people want to start loving themselves, they need to practice getting, getting back inside their body the way, the way they were when they were little. Because we, we, we came into life being in our body and then we learned to be in our head. So our feelings are in our body. And to love ourselves means that we have to take responsibility for our feelings. we have to learn from them, we have to be present with them. we have to care about them. We have to want to know what we're doing that may be causing them or what others are doing and, and learn how to manage that. Learn how to take care of ourselves around others, learn how to take care of our body so that we our body is healthy so there's so many things so the the first step of inner bonding is getting present in your body with your feelings.
0: Hmm. And what do you think it is that feels so threatening about that? Because I know a lot of people who are listening, maybe they've felt that feeling of like, I feel really emotionally disconnected today. And for some reason I feel really shut off. Like what is happening for so many people that feel like they're emotionally shut off or disconnected, do you think? And why is it so hard for some people to actually feel their feelings in their body? Well,
1: first of all, a lot of people have been told that there's something wrong with them for their feelings. Like if they feel um, angry or anxious or depressed or guilty or shame, they've been taught they shouldn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. And and what they don't realize is that every single one of our feelings has vital information for us. Mm-hmm. One of the things that that's so powerful when people get this is that are, um, well, we we divide feelings into two different kinds. One is the wounded feelings, which we cause when we abandon ourselves, when we judge ourselves, and when we avoid our feelings, and when we make others responsible, and when we numb out with addictions. These are all forms of self-abandonment. These forms of self-abandonment create These wounded feelings of anxiety and depression and guilt and shame and anger and aloneness and emptiness and jealousy and resentment, all of that. And and those feelings are letting us know that we're abandoning ourselves. We need that information. And then there's another group of feelings that I call the, the existential feelings of life. And these, we don't cause these. They're caused by situations, they're caused by people, like if somebody's uh, yelling at you, somebody's rejecting you, somebody died, um, you, you lose your job. We, we get feelings of loneliness when we can't connect to others. We get feelings of grief over loss. We get feelings of heartbreak when people are being mean. We get feelings of helplessness over others in situations that we actually are helpless over that maybe we thought we had control over, but we don't. Mm -hmm. And so these, this is another kind of feeling. And, and when we felt these particular feelings, when we were growing up, we were too little to manage them. These are the feelings, the loneliness, the heartbreak, the grief, the helplessness that we had to learn to avoid because we just couldn't manage them. Mm -hmm. Now, we have to learn to embrace them with compassion and we have to learn about what they're telling us because they're giving us a lot of information about life and about people and about events. We need that information.
0: Mm, So powerful. And I, I can't help but wonder if there's a recommendation on what somebody could do right now to start feeling their feelings. Because to me that sounds so simple and I'm sure for you, But I know for many, it's like, okay, well, I don't feel anything. Is there like a step or an exercise that you would have to kind of crack someone open in that regard?
1: Yeah. So right now, um, I want to suggest that people just take some deep breaths and put their mind on their breath. This is mindful breathing, moving your focus uh, from mind focus to body focus and breathe inside. And notice what's happening on the physical level because our our feelings tend to show up physically. Like is there any tension, any tightness anywhere in your gut, in your chest, your shoulders, your legs, anywhere in your body? That tightness is indicating that there's some feeling. There may be fear. There may be anxiety, some kind of stress. That's a feeling. And instead of avoiding it, you want to breathe into it, get present with it and decide that you want to learn what it means to be responsible for that feeling, that you want to learn what you might be doing to cause that feeling or what's going on um, externally that's causing that feeling. So the first thing is using the breath to get inside and notice any physical sensations.
0: Mm, I'm like breathing right here on my own little interview with you getting lost in my breath. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. So it, it sounds like just a lot of presence work, like really getting present to how you're feeling and what sensations you have. What are some examples of sensations that you find people tend to have?
1: Well, very often when I ask people to breathe, they'll say, well, they, they feel a tightness in their chest yeah, or they feel a knot in their stomach. Mm-hmm. you know something like that and so i mean that that's that's very common or their shoulders are tense or their neck hurts or their back hurts or things like that so all all of these physical sensations indicate that there's tension in the body mm. and, and that tension is indicative of feelings like i said of anxiety of of shame of of resentment it could be so many different feelings um that that you know that might be there but you know, with practice, people can learn to, to feel their physical sensations and then understand what the emotion is. That's a part of that.
0: Mm, so it's like feeling the tightness and then saying like, what am I, like, what, do, what does that feeling point to as far as my emotions go?
1: Right. Right. Mm,
0: okay, yeah. And, and, I don't, and, you know, oh, there's so many people who are
1: anxious, Yeah, you know, or, or, or they'll, or they'll tune in and they'll say, well, I feel empty. I feel numb see so so that's indicative of depression when they feel empty or numb, and there's a reason for it there's a reason for the anxiety there's a reason for the depression, and it's generally about how they're treating themselves that they're not aware of,
0: okay, and I know that a lot of people have a lot more on their plate than you know the past world that we've been living in. this is a world of a lot of burnout and exhaustion. And I, I find that sometimes people who have stress don't even know how to like take action and, and get out of that pattern. Like what are some things somebody can do to take better care of themselves? Because uh, I know that self-love is sometimes masked as like eating chocolate and donuts and bubble baths, <laughs> right. all three of those things. But <laughs> I know that self-love is a lot more than that.
1: Yeah. So in the inner bonding process, There's only two intentions, and intention governs everything. And one is the intention to control, to to avoid your feelings, to protect against pain, to to control other people and events. And the other intention is to learn about what's loving to you, to open to learning about what's loving to you. So in order to know what that is, you have to actually want to know. Sometimes people say, yeah, yeah, I want to know. But what they really want to do is avoid pain. Mm-hmm. So in step 2 of inner bonding we open to learning we consciously open to learning mm-hmm. and and one of the things that that inner bonding teaches people is to access a higher source of information a higher source of wisdom and love and compassion and truth and this is a lot easier than people think it is it took me a long time to understand what how to access this this information in the spiritual realm that's here for all of us. Um, And I finally connected the dots, which I did write about in Diet for Divine Connection. And and it's about frequency. It's about that spirit exists at a higher frequency than we operate at. Some people can see uh, into spirit, but most of us can't. So in order to access the information, we have to raise our frequency. And that takes two things. One, we have to be open to learning about love. Uh, it's very specific about loving ourselves, what's loving to us. Mm-hmm. And two, is that we have to keep our bodies clean and healthy because the frequency of our body affects our ability to connect with our higher guidance. And this is, this is very, very important today because what's happened in our society is that so many people are addicted to sugar and addicted to ultra-processed foods and addicted to factory farm foods with with the GMOs and the pesticides and and all that all that junk in it? And what this does is it it upsets what's called the microbiome, which is our gut, and it um, so it it feeds the bad bacteria in the gut and it diminishes the good bacteria, which is 80% of our immune system. So when the bad bacteria proliferate from the junk food, um, what happens is it puts out toxins, which go out into the body, into the organs and cause all of these illnesses that are proliferating today. But it also goes up into the brain. And those toxins cause not only anxiety and depression, that's the second biggest reason other than abandoning ourselves but it 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 makes it hard for us to really focus and it makes it impossible for us to access our higher guidance so what's happened is that people have become dependent on authorities to tell them what's right or wrong for them rather than being able to open to their own higher knowing or their own inner knowing their own intuition we all have the ability to know directly but mm-hmm. so many people, because of how they've been treating themselves and how they've been eating, that's cut off for them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's having a huge effect today because, you know, with with what's happening with the virus around and, and, and uh, you know, their immune systems not being able to deal with that and then not knowing what to do because they're listening to authorities instead of listening to themselves. This is a very, very big problem. So step two is opening to learning about what's loving with a higher source. And one of the things that I recommend people do is just use their imagination and imagine an older, wiser um, part of themselves. It can be inside, it can be outside, but use your imagination to imagine this older, wiser part of yourself and just start to ask what's loving to be to me right now? What's in my highest good right now? That's just a very powerful thing for people to start to do, to just ask that question. And if there's, if they're learning to be kinder to themselves, if they want to know how to love themselves, if they're, if they're willing to eat better, they're going to start getting answers.
0: I love that. I actually do, um, j- journaling like that. I write at the top of the journal, what do you need me to know today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's so much information that flies out of my fingers, I didn't even know that I needed to know, yeah, isn't that great? so so you ask the question and you're getting answers
1: mhm mhm, so well, yeah. yeah.
0: Oh no I, 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 want, I want to keep following your flow. The only thing that I got caught on was you said the two intentions for the inner bonding process. One intention you'd mentioned was to control others or avoid, but that seems like a bummer of an intention. Is that something you mean that we're trying to not do anymore Because the second one you'd said was opening up to what's loving to you. What do you mean by controlling others and avoiding pain? Can you elaborate a little bit more on the role yeah. that that plays in all this
1: yeah so so again, when we were growing up. Um, For many people, life was difficult, and we needed to feel that we could have some control over how people treated us, over how our parents felt about us, and we needed to avoid too much pain because we couldn't manage it. And so all of us created our ego-wounded self, our wounded ego, that is very, very intent on, on having control over our feelings, having control over how others feel about us, and avoiding pain. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where most people are when they start an interbonding process. That intention lowers the frequency and makes it almost impossible to access that higher guidance. Mm. And, and so it's, it, it's so important to consciously choose the intention to learn about loving yourself rather than to protect and avoid and control because that will keep your frequency very low hmm. So that's mm-hmm. step two of inner bonding is choosing the intention to learn and opening to one's higher knowing. And then step three is it's a dialogue process where you're you're asking your feelings like let's say you feel anxious or depressed. You're asking, well, what am I telling you and how am I treating you? What am I doing? What am I not doing? That's making you feel this way, like you're talking to a child and that child might say, well, you're putting all this pressure on me. I have to do everything right. I have to be perfect. You're telling me that, that if I do everything right, then I can have control over how people feel about me. And, and, and so I have to perform and I have to look perfect and all that. Well, that creates a lot of anxiety. Or or if you're depressed, um, that that inner inner child you can call that the inner child that's our feeling self my um, might say well, you just ignore me all the time you don't even know I'm here you don't care about me at all you just you keep making others responsible you you keep abandoning me and giving me to other people and if they like me I'm okay and if they don't like me, I'm not okay and you keep telling me I'm not okay and you keep ignoring me that's going to create depression mm-hmm. along with a toxic gut so the two of these together is what a lot of people are suffering from today.
0: Yeah. Wow, I just I'm thinking a lot as you're talking about boundaries because one thing that I know is that you know you were talking about like trying not to control other people, but you also talked about how like as we're little kids, we have all these feelings and we don't know where to put them and sometimes we're told not to have those feelings, you know, right. like they're they're negated, they're invalidated, um which is it can be really toxic for a little kid, you know.
1: Right.
0: And so I'm wondering like, where's that line? Because I think sometimes people want to set boundaries and it does feel very real that if they can not necessarily control, but set that boundary with someone or something, maybe somebody's doing something that doesn't feel healthy for them and they want to speak up. Would that fall under the category of trying to control things or is that doing what's loving to you? Do you know what I mean? Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. So, but this comes under um, how people define ba- uh, boundaries. Because let's say that somebody is is um, being mean to you, putting you down, calling you names. Um, you can what You can do what a lot of people think a boundary is and say, you can't talk to me that way. Well, that's not a boundary. That's a form of control because the person can do whatever they want. You don't have control over how they talk to you. But a boundary is what you're going to do. A boundary is, I don't like to be talked to like this, and if you're going to continue... I'm going to go out for a walk. You mm-hmm. see, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And that and that's really what a boundary is because we have control over what we're going to do, which is great. We do mm-hmm. need to control what we're going to do. We just have to accept that we can't control what others do.
0: Mm-hmm. And at what point is that like manipulation or being punitive? Do you know what I mean? Like if you don't do what I say, I'm going to do that. Because I find that a lot of people struggle with boundaries Like, because to me, sometimes the boundary looks like I need this result. And if you can't do this result, I need to not be involved in this situation. And it can be registered by someone else as like me being punitive or me being difficult. Does that make sense? Yeah. But
1: you see what happens is that, um, our, our intent is betrayed in our energy. So if, if my energy is to control the other person, then I'm going to say, uh, well, I don't like being talked to like this. So if you keep talking to me, I'm going I'm just going to go out for a walk or this is over. That's punitive. But if my intention is to take loving care of me, see, not to control the other person, but to take care of me, like I'm taking a child by the hand, my energy is going to be completely different. And I'm going to say, you know, um, I, I just don't like being talked to this way. So I'm I'm going to just go and, and deal with my feelings. I'm going to go take a walk. It's not a punishment of the other person. It's taking care of me. And I might say the exact same words, but the energy is going to be completely different depending on whether my intention is to control them or love me.
0: Mm, this is really interesting because I find like sometimes with family dynamics, like There's so much at play, like maybe your mom is close friends with an ex or you know what I mean? Like different things where you want to speak up and change something that someone else is doing so that a circumstance feels healthier to you. So I I get that it can be slippery, but it sounds like the intention behind it is what you're saying, like the intention to just take care of yourself. Right for you. Okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, like like if your mom is friends with your ex, you might speak up and say, you know, I'd like to understand why you're doing this. This is hurtful to me. Uh, Can we talk about it with an intention to learn? This is one of the things we teach people to do with other people is to be open to learning. People have good reasons. And mom, there must be a good reason that you're friends with my ex, even though it's hurtful to me. I'd like to understand it from your point of view. Now, if, if mom is not really open and not caring about the effect that it has on me, then, you know, there's nothing I can do. And then I have to accept my helplessness. And in fact, that exact situation happened for me.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. And tell me about this idea of accepting your helplessness. And can you paint a little bit of a picture of that? Because there's something that feels like, I feel like it could be skewed as like being a victim of something. Do you know what I mean? Like accepting that I'm helpless versus the, the empowerment that can come with surrendering.
1: Yeah, but but you see, there's two kinds of helplessness. We are helpless over others, mm-hmm. but we're not helpless over ourselves. Like when we were little, we were, but we are, we're not now. So in the situation that you're talking about that, that I went through when after divorcing my husband of 30 years. Um, How
0: perfect that I gave you this example. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah. And my mother was very good friends with him and, and much closer to him. She was very angry at me for divorcing. She had no understanding of, of the abuse that was going on and didn't care about it. So, um, she was good friends with him. And even though I said, you know, this is hurtful to me, it didn't change the situation. So I had to accept that I was helpless over her, but not over me. I could be very compassionate with how much that hurt with myself, but I had to let it go because, what could I do? I I don't have control over other people. I didn't have control over her or him or anybody.
0: Mhm. 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 Also very painful. So like was there a solution that you were able to find to like be with kind of like acceptance?
1: Well, I had to accept it. Um I mean, you you know, you never like something like that, but but you have to accept it and and the thing was is that I had to accept. I mean, I had to accept a lot of things. Um, I had to accept that my mother was narcissistic. I had to accept she didn't really like me. I had to accept she wasn't on my side. Uh, You know, I had to accept that I didn't really have a mother who cared about me. Mm. So I had to accept all those things. I had to accept that I had been trying my whole life to be such a good girl and, and uh, caretake everybody else, you know, which is a form of control so that they would like me. And I had to accept that I didn't have that control, that all that occurred from all that caretaking was that I got really sick with a life-threatening illness, and I had to deal with it. So, you know, I had to come to grips with the fact that I was trying to control how people felt about me, and it was killing me.
0: Mm, Really powerful. And I also, I'm just kind of reflecting as you're sharing this, like when you move into acceptance, like what comes after that? If you try to set a boundary, you try to make a request out of love to yourself and somebody can't hold it, somebody can't meet you in it and you have to move into acceptance. Like what would be the outcome as well? Like, does it look like having a more distant relationship with the person and making peace with that? Or does it look like, I mean, could you give me some context on that?
1: Yeah, I, It looked, well, for me, like it looked like I started to see that my mother was on a soul level much younger than me and that I could be compassionate towards her. I couldn't spend a lot of time with her, but I could be caring at the little time I spent with her um, and accepting that she could never be the mother that I really wanted. And in fact, I had to do that, that I had to be the loving mom and I had to be the loving dad with myself. And that, that was life changing for me. When I stopped thinking it was going to come from somebody else and and I started taking care of myself, then it became clear as to how much time I could spend with somebody or whether I needed to really disengage from the relationship altogether. Um, It became clear once my intention was to be loving to me. There's no clarity as long as my intention was to control them.
0: Okay. Okay. And so it's like making sure that your intention is really just to take care of yourself and not to control the other person and then to move into acceptance and also accept where their soul is at if the boundary doesn't work.
1: Oh, yeah. Because we, you know, we come in, I, I believe we come in at different soul levels. Mm-hmm. And, and at some point I had to accept that my parents were young souls. Yeah. You know, and they just didn't know how to love.
0: Hey U-turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but if you're anything like me working from home, this quarantine has got you craving some structure and I have gotten so much out of committing to a morning routine. And for me, that's looked like burning some Palo Santo every morning, sipping some coffee while I'm journaling, and of course, making my daily protein shake with Organifi's vanilla protein powder. I just put a scoop of their vanilla protein, frozen organic strawberries, half a frozen banana and coconut milk into the blender and boom, We'll be right back. That little candy-addicted five-year-old living inside of me gets so happy feeling like she started her workday with what tastes like a vanilla milkshake with strawberries in it. So if you follow me on the gram, you know that even when I try to eat healthy, I tend to have little snack and that's why I am so grateful that Organifi is now sponsoring the U-Turn podcast. It is such a milestone for us to have them supporting the show, and I'm pretty sure that without their super healthy protein powder, I'd be lacking in my morning routine. So if you're looking for some consistency and some structure in your diet i'm really in love with their products which is why we wanted to get you hooked up with a discount when you go to organifi.com slash u-turn that's organif icom com backslash y-o-u-t-u-r-n for 15 percent off now let's get back to the episode Yeah, I have so many questions for you, just like on a personal note, which I always tend to go to in this podcast. But one thing that I was working with, well, first of all, I read your book probably, I think, like three years ago, maybe even four years ago. And I absolutely loved it because I was trying to understand what love yourself even means beyond like a yoga class or a pep talk, which I feel like is what's going on on the internet, you know? Right. And the book gave me a lot and and what you were sharing earlier for anybody who's taking notes, which I know a lot of you are, I think it's really powerful to have that dialogue with yourself um you know and and so painting a picture for everybody, would that look like visualizing your younger self as your Talking, does it look like writing on a notepad? Like how do you execute on that exercise of talking to yourself, having a dialogue with yourself?
1: Well, it can be different for different people. People can get like a doll or stuffed animal that represents that younger self and actually talk out loud uh, and let that inner part talk, or they can do it in writing. Um, I still do my inner bonding. Every morning I walk and I like to do it out in nature and I do it out loud. Um, and I do visualize this, this inner part of me, this feeling part of me as a little girl that I'm responsible for, because even though our inner child is not actually a child, but when we think of it as a child then we know that we're responsible, it's our feeling self, but most people don't think about being responsible for their feelings. But they might think about being responsible for a child. And so I do this every morning. I do a half an hour inner bonding process, talking to my inner child, talking to my higher guidance. And then throughout the day, I stay in step one of inner bonding, which means I'm connected. I call it having your inner baby monitor on. Like if you have a baby... You don't just put the baby to sleep and go out to lunch. You have a baby monitor on if you want to be a loving parent. And when the baby cries, you go pick up the baby and you try and find out what's wrong. Well, that's the same thing here. You learn to stay present in your body. And the minute you feel anything other than peace inside, then you open to learning. You find out what's going on. What are you doing? What are you telling yourself? You open to learning. Step four is opening to learning with your higher guidance about what would be loving and then step five is is you take the loving action. You do whatever would be loving. And then step six, you go back in to see how, how are you feeling. And if you've been loving to yourself, you're going to feel a lot of relief.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's also some pain, right? Because what's coming up for me as I'm listening to you is like, It it feels like a mountain you climb, like all of the actions you're sharing of like figuring out what would be loving, connecting to your body, figuring out the emotion, like having a dialogue with yourself and then doing the thing that's loving that feels like it's the top of the hill. Uh But in my head, I'm thinking to myself, sometimes there's like not necessarily consequences, but like, I don't know, like a little bit of a mess that you have to clean up in the aftermath of like this new version of yourself that is. Stepping into what you want, or making a request, and shifting the nature of a relationship—if that makes sense—because sometimes oh, what yeah. you do isn't compatible with who people want you to be, or how people want you to be. You know?
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> again, that's what I had to go through because um, uh, as I started to learn and practice inner bonding and pull back from taking care of everybody, because I was I was like Mother Earth to my husband, my three kids, my parents, my clients. I was Mother Earth to everybody, but of course, not to me. Yeah. That, you know, complete self-abandonment. So when I started to practice bonding, and then I started to take care of myself instead of taking care of everybody else. Well, when you've been a caretaker all those years, nobody likes it. You see, so, so they were mad. I mean, that, that's what led to my divorce because I stopped caretaking. And my husband did not like that at all. My kids were mad and my parents were mad. In fact, my parents disowned me as a result of it. And so, I mean, I I went through hell. It was one of the hardest times of my life, but I got back my health. I got me. I got my creativity. I got my power. I mean, I got so much from learning to take care of myself that even though everybody was mad and it was really tough. I would do the same thing again because Mm. my life changed completely. And once you really move into your power and you start coming from love instead of from fear and you stop trying to control everybody with your caretaking or your anger or whatever um, and you start loving yourself, your frequency changes. And we attract people at our common level of self-abandonment or our common level of health. And so... Before that, I was attracting people into my life who were judgmental and harsh and unloving to me because that's how I was with myself. Mm. But once I started loving myself, I started to attract kind, caring, loving people into my life.
0: Ah, beautiful. And I also... I, I'm so, I feel like I'm on the same life journey and you're like the voice of the future on the other side, because I'm a, i am I just saw my book pop up on Amazon. It comes out in January mm. and the, the book is about my life in service to other people, figuring out what they want to do with their career. So it's kind of catalogs like my own career journey in service to the other person, getting clarity in a step in each chapter, um, to reflect on themselves. mm mm-hmm. And throughout my journey, I kind of tacitly, and and I've talked about this on one other podcast episode. Um, I I tacitly kind of share my family's journey because that's part of mine. Mm -hmm. And part of it involves like my dad having a huge loss with his company when he was a kid, when I was a kid and, and us having to move. And I think there's a lot of, Shame for him and in his losses, and he hasn't processed or made peace with his, I mean, his perceived failures, even though he's bounced back and grown past so much of it. And then, you know, I think for my mom, like me having this experience of it and sharing in my book, what I went through with my own mindset, watching all of it. She's, she's taking it really hard and it's required me for the first time in my life to really like take a stand with my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's been incredibly challenging. And I, I do think that when we're just walking the universe, we are walking past most people who have had to take some sort of stand towards their parent on something, whether they did or didn't and um me kind of differentiating me being my own person has really rocked the boat and my relationship with her has been really solid for a lot of my life like m- most of high school she's my best friend and as an adult i feel more disconnected from her than i ever have And it was really nice to hear what you were saying, like realizing like some people might be a younger soul and like you have to have compassion. But what I'm finding is that I climbed that hill you talked about where I think a lot of people might be able to do this on this podcast where they felt felt into their body. And she wanted me to delete things from my book that I felt were very healing for me to share with the world. And they were not necessarily violating her privacy in any way. She just interpreted it that way. Um... And so my experience was just sharing what I have to share and hers was wanting me to delete it. And I I don't think we've necessarily made complete peace. We've just kind of moved into what like you shared was acceptance. Like, okay, I accept that you don't really get me, you know, here like, and, and it, it wasn't just about the book. It was about who I am as like a soul. Like this book has my soul on the pages. Like I've never expressed myself quite like I have through the pages of this. And it was so healing for me on so many levels, not just personally to write it, but to feel like I can be met in it by someone else who needs to read it. Um, And my, I just feel like my heart wants that experience. And so to be up against someone who is saying like, you need to remove that or to have disconnect with my mother around that. Now I'm in a chapter of our relationship where I'm, I'm redefining our relationship. I'm trying to figure out how to navigate my mom, who I still really love, but don't really understand. You know, I don't. And it's so weird. It's like, how do these disconnects or these moments that you were talking about, like with your mom, these disconnects kind of rise into an apex where suddenly the relationship doesn't even make sense. It's like this one issue points out this overarching disconnect in who you both are as people. How do you find enjoyment in relationships that are important for you, but maybe you've outgrown or you feel like, you know, you've had that kind of boundary moment with?
1: You know, there there are some relationships that we actually do outgrow. And Mm -hmm. if they're not family relationships, sometimes we just move beyond and let go of them. But when they are family relationships, of course, that makes it a lot harder. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just accept a more superficial relationship. I mean, it's not what we want. It's not what I ever want. I like a much more in-depth relationship with people. But sometimes I can't have that. And so I do the best I can. I have what I can have. I try and keep focused on what's loving to me and what's loving to them. And that's the best that I can do. And in any given moment with whatever's going on, I try and stay connected to my higher self and tune into what would be loving to me in a given situation. Because it's not like there's an answer. It's not like there's one answer to every situation and this is why it's so important for us to be able to tune into that higher part of ourselves because in any given situation we need to be asking, what's loving to me in this moment? You know, like maybe your mother is saying, you have to take this out out of the book, you have to delete it, it's not right, it's not fair, it hurts me and then you would have to go in and say, well, what's loving to you in that moment And, and how can you compassionately take care of yourself, uh, and still be compassionate towards what's happening with her without, um, you know, giving her control over what you do of what feels right to you. So it's a, it's like a moment by moment thing. It's, it's not like there's rules here.
0: Okay, this is really helpful, and I know that a lot of people avoid these like conversations to set a boundary because they don't want to face a loss that mm-hmm. might come with stepping into what you want and what's loving to you. Um, what advice do you have for someone with that? And then I also want to ask you about over responsibility and wanting to like make other people okay with your boundaries. Yeah, so
1: um, I mean, we you know that's that's the intention to control when we want to make other people okay. Um, And then the fear, the fear of loss is a very, very big fear for people. Like if I speak up and I myself, then I'm going to lose this person. And what I had to come to at some point many years ago is I had to decide whether I was going to continue to lose me or I was willing to lose everybody else. And at that point, when I realized how sick I was, how physically ill, that I was going to die if I didn't take care of myself. I made a really deep, life-changing decision that I, I said, I am willing to lose everybody, but I'm no longer willing to lose me. And if I end up alone, so be it. And what I've since come to understand is that in any relationship, if we're not going to lose ourselves, if we're not going to be controlled and give ourselves up and try and control we always have to be willing to lose the other person rather than lose ourselves. It's
0: so crazy. You say that because that is exactly what happened on a phone conversation was like basically letting her know, like I'm willing to lose you over myself. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's so crazy. I feel like you're just literally my future self in this conversation.
1: <laughs> That's great. <laughs>
0: um, I know part of me wants to be like, all right, what do I <laughs> future self? What's coming next? know. <laughs> Um, well, I I know a lot of people listening right now, um, they can do that. They can kind of like get present to their body, get present to their breath and, and do these pieces of the inner bonding method. Um, what are some steps that you can recommend when somebody does get clarity of what would be loving for them, um, to maybe having a conversation or communicating about what they need? Because I know that taking that next step can be really scary for some people. You
1: mean what they need with somebody else?
0: Yeah, like yeah. if they're having a conversation and they need something from someone else or they need something to change with somebody else.
1: Well, I mean, we always have the right to request. I mean, in, in relationships, we, re- we request what we want from somebody, but we have to accept that we don't have the control. And we can request somebody to do something. And, and, and I suggest people can request it once or twice or maybe even three times. But then after that, it becomes controlling. And you're not accepting that you just don't have the control. And the person just isn't going to do it. And then you have to decide um, what's loving to you in the face of that, that you accept it and stay in the relationship. You accept it, but you don't stay in the relationship. But, you know, you don't know what, what that's going to be until you reach that place of acceptance of your lack of control over other people. You know, that that's like the serenity prayer, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things. Uh, I cannot change the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm. And, and that's what this is about. It's about really being honest with ourselves about what we can and can't control. Because we can sit down and say to somebody, look, this is what I really need from you. And they can say no, or they can say, okay, and then not do it. And then we can ask it again and they can say, okay, but then not do it. And then we have to accept it's not going to happen.
0: Mm, so good. And uh, I know that a lot of people, as they step into what you are sharing, which is like the the ownership of like, I will not settle on who I am and give up any part of like, give up myself. Mm -hmm. I guess what comes up as I'm hearing you is like, how do people stay married? (laughs) Because you're constantly compromising. I think, um, even if you find somebody compatible as you grow, you know, you both change. And so, um, what wisdom do you have as far as like not losing yourself in relationships? Because I find that this is a very common thing. And I, um, I know a lot of friends right now who are kind of on the brink of getting married and kind of making that decision with who they're with and whether it's right for them.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, one the thing that destroys marriages basically is, is people abandoning themselves And then because they're not loving themselves, then they're trying to get love from the other person. And then they're trying to have control over getting love from the other person. And like I said, we attracted our common level of self abandonment. And so in those relationships where each person is abandoning themselves, and then trying to control getting love, those relationships have a very, very hard time. But when Hmm. people... learn to love themselves and take responsibility for their own feelings. When they learn to fill themselves up with love, then they come to each other with love to share. And, yeah. and that's a completely different kind of relationship when we're sharing love rather than trying to get love. And let me go back for a minute to what we were talking about before, like you want something from somebody. Yeah. Relationships have a system. And lots of times the system is kind of hidden. So let's say you want something from somebody and you ask them for it and they don't do it. Well, lots of times there's a system where you're actually trying to control them. You've got an energy of control and they don't want to be controlled. So they go into resistance. And then you feel like they don't care because you've asked them for something, but you don't realize that your energy is one of control. Hmm. and that they they don't want to be controlled. Maybe they come from a controlling background and they've learned to resist. Mm-hmm. And so there's this subtlety in the system. And I deal with this all the time. I work with a lot of couples where they're in this system where one person is trying to control maybe with anger and the other with caretaking, giving themselves up, and then they don't get what they want from the other person and then they blame the other person. And it's just it's just kind of a mess, as you know. But when each person decides to learn to love themselves and take responsibility for their own feelings and come to the other person with a true intention to learn instead of trying to control. That's when the relationship becomes fun and and learning and growing and passionate and juicy. It becomes wonderful when people are truly open to learning with each other and with themselves rather than trying to control each other. And and, you know like i said sometimes it's so subtle this uh this control that people well, i'm not controlling you know i I'm, I'm open i really want to understand but the energy is not that and and it's hard it's hard for people to see it in themselves and this is why sometimes people need a third person like i work with couples on skype and zoom and i can see that system i can see the energy of of the of their woundedness i can see the the different ways they're trying to control and and not be controlled because nobody likes to be controlled, mm-hmm. and so and I can see that system happening, and then I can help each of them to see what they're each doing, and what they each need to start to do differently within themselves, so that they can come to each other with love, because mm-hmm. when two people come with love, uh, when they're filled up inside and they're not needy they don't need the other person to give them something in order to feel like they're okay. That's when the relationship, you know, becomes wonderful, becomes fun and learning and growing.
0: Mm. And so it seems like when I think about a lot of relationships, especially in today's workaholism world, it's like sometimes all we're doing is putting our head downs and working and doing, and then we kind of don't take care of ourselves. And then we kind of bring that empty self to our relationship. And we're just a little bit more of a short wick and not, um, in the loving that was probably what started the relationship in the first place. Um, what am I not asking you about inner bonding or self-love that you think everyone should really know when it comes to changing their relationship? with themselves, because I cannot help but think right now that there's someone on here who genuinely believes that they are not even worthy of loving themselves or taking care of themselves.
1: Yeah. And, and that, and that's one of the big issues because, um, that's one of the major things that most of us learned as we were growing up is that, that, that when we didn't get the love that we needed, we only had two ways of looking at that. Either we recognize that our parents were incapable of loving us, and very, very few young people recognize that, because let's say you're two or three and you recognize that your parents are just incapable of loving you, you might just check out. You might say, you know what, I'm out of here. I don't want to deal with this for 18 years. And so the the other choice we make is we say, well, I'm not being loved because it's my fault. I'm I'm not good enough. I'm flawed. I'm not lovable. I'm defective. I'm unworthy. I'm inadequate. I'm not important. And so this is this is the beginning of that ego wounded self where where we think that there's actually something wrong with us. And what that does is it gives us a sense of control. If it's my fault that I'm not being loved, then I can figure out how to do everything right and say everything right and be good or be angry or in some way manipulate getting love and avoiding pain. And so we all did this. We we all created that wounded part of us, that that ego wounded part of us. And that's of course the part that needs healing because it's filled with false beliefs, especially the false that core false belief that there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. What happens when people start to practice inner bonding and they and they start to access that higher part of themselves is they start to be able to see who they are intrinsically. Because mm-hmm. we all have this incredibly beautiful soul. We all have, our soul is a spark of the divine. And each of us has wonderful gifts in our soul. And when I ask people to look back through the eyes of their higher guidance at who they were when they were little, they usually say, well, I'm, I'm loving and kind and playful and curious and open and all these wonderful things. And that's who they really are. Not this flawed, defective person that they decided they were to give them control over trying to do everything right so that they could they could uh, have control and and actually this is this very much ties into so much of what's happening today even with the racism because when people don't know who they are when they don't see their own souls then they move into self-loathing they move into self-hatred i'm not good enough i'm defective but rather than own that they then they then project it out onto others who they think they decide that others are less than them and they think they have a right to then hurt people um, hurt black people hurt hurt women who hurt you know different minorities hurt gays whatever it is that uh-huh. they that they're projecting their self-loathing on anytime people hurt somebody else like that they are coming From their own self-loathing, and they're projecting it out onto other people. I
0: I love that.
1: Yeah, and so what has to happen? I mean, we can we can enact all sorts of laws, you know, police not hurting people, which we do need to do. But for the issue to really heal, it's a much deeper thing. People have to start to see and value and love their true soul essence. And when you do that, it's like when I look at people. I see their soul essence. I, I, don't, I don't look at them on who they are on the outer level. I look at who they are on the inner level. And everybody's got an absolutely unbelievably beautiful soul. And when we see our own soul, then we start to be able to see the soul of others. And we cannot possibly hurt them because that's when we start to feel that sense of oneness. We feel that sense of oneness with people, with animals, with trees, with the planet, with the environment. That's what needs to happen for us to stop hurting each other and the planet.
0: I love what you're sharing because I think that was where I kind of was going to close out with you was just knowing what a stressful time it's been with coronavirus and people staying at home and, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, which has been so important, so overdue. I think that so many people have heard it, noticed it and are starting to educate themselves, me being one of them, um, to understand the insidious and sneaky areas where I may not even have had the awareness to do my part in anti-racism, but I, I know that with the riots and with COVID-19, um, people are on edge and they are living on, in extreme stress. And, uh, I'm curious as someone who focuses on self-love, I know that everybody could use some more self-love right now, especially in a quarantine situation. What wisdom or what can you share, um, for everybody to perhaps practice that Right now, specifically,
1: you know, see, this is really a great opportunity, especially for people who have to be at home to, to start to do inner bonding work. People can go on to our website and take a free course. There's all sorts of free, free information. The books are not expensive. This is a great time to learn to love yourself, because that is the very best thing you can do for yourself, for your own stress and for what's happening uh, with Black Lives Matter, because you know, maybe you have some hidden racism, which you're projecting onto other people because of your own self-loathing. That needs to get healed. When you learn to love yourself, you will naturally be loving towards others because, like I said, you will see their soul and you will feel a sense of oneness with them. And with COVID, it's like, you know, so many people are, are not trusting themselves. They're not they don't know how to access their higher wisdom, so they don't know what to do, and they're listening to authorities which are creating huge confusion for them, and and people need to learn how to take care of themselves right now. This is a time for personal responsibility. This is a time for people to take responsibility for their health, their well-being, um, for for really seeing and loving and valuing who they are, not making other people responsible for defining their worth, not giving that inner child away to parents or, or partners or anybody, learning to truly value themselves, see themselves. This is the, the very, very best thing that people can do for themselves uh, and for the planet and for Black Lives Matter and and for women, for gays, for anybody who's been discriminated against. This is the very, very best thing that you can do. Learn to take full responsibility for yourself.
0: Mm, so beautiful. And Also so challenging, requires you to face so much. This has been such an insightful conversation. I hope everybody came with a pen and a pad. And if they didn't, I hope they re-listen. Where can everybody find you? Or how do you work with people to support anyone listening who may want to contact you?
1: Yeah. So if they go to interbonding.com, there's a phone number there. If they want to have phone or Skype or Zoom sessions with me, um, they can make an appointment with that phone number. We have many trained facilitators as well. And if people can't afford me, there's going to be a facilitator that they can afford. We have a fantastic training program for anybody who does want to learn to be an inner bonding facilitator. Um, I do, I do work with individuals and couples. I do five day and three day intensives and now they're online. In fact, I'll be doing a five day intensive on Zoom next week, which has now enabled me to do them with people all over the world who couldn't afford to fly in for it. So um you know that's fantastic there's so much on our inner bonding website that can help people learn and practice inner bonding you don't have to have money to do it like i said because we have so many free offerings but i do offer a fantastic course called love yourself um and this this course teaches inner bonding in a very very in-depth way and people can take the course on their own or they can take it with my involvement. We have both options. So there's just many, many ways of learning inner inner bonding.
0: Thank you so much again for coming onto the show.
1: Oh, thank you for the opportunity,
0: Ashley. Hey guys. Wow. Margaret Paul. I am like wanting her to be the grandma that I never had. What an amazing woman. I feel like I shared so much on that episode about myself. Hopefully it was welcome with you guys. I'm sure it was. Thank you for listening to everything I'm going through and allowing me to use that time with margaret to support you as well i read her book like i said in her bonding quite a while ago and it was a game changer for me it really changed my relationship with myself and how i relate to me in my and i and i feel like one of the biggest things it did was it put a ladder from my head down to my heart and i think so many of us so deeply need to be able to do that when it comes to our career our life our relationships and i think one of the biggest blocks that we stay stuck in when it comes to staying a little bit too much in our head is not facing where things are truly at in our relationships, in our career. Um, and so I want to ask you now, kind of just based on everything that I talked to Margaret about in you know, with my fantasy bond and all of the things that we talked about with having relationships with our family that might not actually be the case, where are you in a fantasy about a relationship? maybe there's maybe you're dating and you're like in a fantasy about who somebody is but you haven't really totally experienced them and you're just kind of working off of who you want them to be in your head or maybe you're in a fantasy of of hoping that something will improve but it's not really showing you the signs that it's going to get worked out, whatever it is, I think it's just so powerful to get deeply honest with yourself about any area of your life that you don't think is working for you. And um, I, I saw a quote today um, by Heidi Prieb, and it said, to love someone long term is to attend a thousand funerals of the people that they used to be. And I just found this to be so poignant, because the truth of the matter is that Even if something is working for you for a while, even if it's a romantic relationship, a career, whatever that thing is that's working, I mean, the good news and the bad news about life is that things change. So I guess that's good news if you don't like where you are. And maybe that's not so good news if you love where you are. Things change and people change. And so to love somebody long-term is to attend a 1,000 funerals of the people they used to be. And um, what Heidi wrote under this, uh, she said that, you know, the people they're too exhausted to be any longer, the people they don't recognize inside of themselves, the people they grew out of, the people that they never ended up growing into. We so badly want the people we love to get their spark back when it burns out, to become speedily found when they're lost. But it's not our job to hold anyone accountable to the people that they used to be. It's our job to travel with them between each version and to honor what emerges along the way. And sometimes the people that are around us are gonna emerge with a more luminescent flame. Sometimes there's gonna be a flicker and it disappears and it temporarily floods the room with a perfect and necessary darkness. All of this, I think, is so important to take a look at when it comes to your relationships and how often we live in our head. And we can take that ladder down to our heart and really notice when something's changed. To get radically honest with ourselves, of are we willing to attend the funerals of the you know the people that somebody used to be in order to keep them in our life, or is it not working for you anymore? Um, You know i think in my relationship with my mom i'm realizing right now like i just love this woman so deeply she's my mom i can't change that i wouldn't change that and my healing growth and enjoyment with her is going to come down to me grieving and going to those funerals of who she used to be for me and accepting who she is right now the version of who she is right now so I want to kind of leave this post-episode breakdown with you. Um, breakdown. I love how I say i like breaking it down. Sounds like I'm having a breakdown. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. I think I'm good. <laughs> um, but I want to leave you like as I'm kind of breaking all of this down with one final question. And it's kind of going back to the beginning of this little conversation we're having, which is where in your life are you in a fantasy about a situation and you're not accepting it for what it is for who it is for where it's going how can you get radically honest with yourself about who that person is or what that situation actually is or what you actually want so that you can grieve that fantasy that you had and accept what's here now because there's so much more you can do when you're in the now and you're working with what's actually here so sending you lots of love obviously i have a lot of thoughts today so grateful that I had Margaret on the show and, uh, sending you good energy. Thanks guys. Thanks. Much for listening to this week's episode of the U Turn Podcast. If any of our guests mention any resource that you're interested in, you can head on over to ashleystall.com and press the podcast tab to see any show notes. It's A S H L E Y S T A H L.com. On that page, you're also going to see our brand new free quiz helping you discover which career path you're actually meant for. It's followed by tons of content packed emails about your personality in the workforce. And of course, we just can't thank you enough for your written reviews. These reviews mean a lot for our show to keep getting out there. So if you ever send me a DM on the gram and I'm so grateful that you have, I would love it if you would copy and paste that into the podcast app of your smartphone as a written review. It would mean so much for us over here at the show. Thanks again for being here and I can't wait to connect with you next week.